Good morning, everyone. It's Friday. Uh, my name is Kevin Lagore, and welcome to another episode of the Skywatcher What's Up webcast. Uh, we do this every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, uh, right here on the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. Uh, for those of you who have never joined us before, welcome. Um, the What's Up webcast is really just about educating, sharing what's up into the nighttime sky, to equipment, to helpful techniques that might advance your imaging or observing skills. And then of course, the last Friday of every month, we have a special guest on as well. So welcome. Uh, for those of you who've joined us in the past, happy Friday, welcome back again, and thanks for joining us. Uh, of course, if you like what we do here at the What's Up webcast, uh, go ahead and subscribe to the channel. It'll keep you up to date with any new content. We are working on some new educational videos for Skywatcher product. They're gonna go on the YouTube channel. You'll get notified for that. Um, and then as we release the coming episodes, you can also be uh, kept up on what's coming. So you can you get notifications on a new scheduled event that we have here on the YouTube channel. Um, and of course, if you have any questions or comments, or if there's something you want us to check out for a future episode, go ahead and write us at support at skywatcherusa.com, entitle it, What's Up, and then give us your thoughts or ideas on what you'd like us to do, and we'll take that into consideration on making an episode about it. So. Uh, those of you who have written in, we appreciate it. Um, we try to take everyone's ideas and try to figure out where we can fit it or start doing some research about how we can put that into the schedule to check out and share with everybody else. So today's episode has been requested for a long time. And of course, today we're going to be talking about the EQ6R. Um, a lot of what's in here is just kind of a basic overview. Uh, if you own an EQ6R, you might already know about it. If you're interested in an EQ6R, um, this will kind of go over different things about it. And then I'm gonna try to get into a little bit of the nitty gritty uh, about it as well. Uh, so hopefully some of this answers your questions, maybe gives you some insight about the mount itself. And maybe is a little bit helpful. Um, we do have one of our ambassadors in the chat today. His name's Jay Sadalano. I'm gonna post his uh, email here in the chat as well. So if, and Jay works with our EQ6Rs quite a bit. He's got, gotten very good at them actually. Um, so if you have any questions about the EQ6R, you know, we can assist you as well, but Jay's out there all the time uh, checking stuff out. Um, I'm gonna put his email in the chat as he stated that was okay. So if you have any questions, uh, Jay's gotten his mounts down to very smooth guiding numbers. Um, so I'm gonna put that in the chat right there so you guys can see that. If you need some you know, really in-depth user experience, someone on our ambassador team, uh, Jay Sadalon is in the chat uh, today talking with that too. That's the email if you need. He wants some more assistance with more particular things. He works on the Raspberry Pis and stuff like that with the EQ6R uh, and such. So shout out to Jay. Um, and then of course we have some of our other team in the chat as well, keeping an eye on things. So let's get started. So the EQ6R is probably by far our most popular mount. You see them popping up all over the place and we appreciate everyone who's been a part of the, the EQ6R Skywatcher family, whether this is your first big mount um, or this is just kind of a, a mount that's gonna start you off imaging and eventually you'll transition to something bigger and more advanced um, in the future. And my face is in the way for some of this, so let me get out of the way here. Um, so the EQ6R, for many, is probably your first serious mount. And the reason I say that is when you get to this level of mount, um, something that carries that 40, 50 pound payload capacity, um, you have a mount that is extremely flexible. And there are several mounts on the market that, that do this. The EQ6R, of course, is our um, addition to that. We also have the AZ EQ6. Uh, Celestron has the C-Gem mount or a C-Gem 2 out right now. Ioptron's got a few things out there. Los Mondi's got some good stuff out there. All that stuff. 
Um, when you get to mounts of this level, you have a mount that can hold a wide variety of optical tubes. Um, solid for imaging as well as for visual use. So that's why you see a lot of these out there because usually mounts smaller than this, and we make some like the HEQ5 and the EQM35, of course, and as well as the Star Adventurers. We have smaller mounts, but, and they do a very good job at what they're intended and designed to do. But when you're looking to do advanced imaging, when you're looking to do something that you're not going to hit the ceiling quickly on, because that's what I find a lot of people do, they buy a very small mount or a smaller mount. They probably have an 80 millimeter or 102 maybe uh, refractor. They get started, and then in a year from now, they call us back up, and they need a bigger mount. So the best thing to do right out of the gate, if you can, is try to get a mount that's in this mid-tier level. Something that holds that 40, 50 pound payload capacity because, and we're gonna talk about payload here in a little bit, but when you have a mount of that level, it leaves you open to grow into the mount rather than growing out of it, you know, in the first year of you getting involved with that mount. So not that our smaller mounts or anything smaller is bad. Those work great, it's just, I find a lot of people who are beginning end up getting those and then they want to go something bigger like maybe they want to get a, an 8-inch Hyperstar or maybe they want to get one of our Newtonians, like an 8-inch Newtonian or a bigger like 5-inch refractor. On those smaller mounts, you don't leave yourself a lot of room to grow. Um, you kind of hit it right out of the bat. You hit the ceiling on those quickly. Or something of this level like an EQ6R you have the ability to move and upgrade your optical system as you yourself advance into the hobby or your imaging skill advances. So just a little bit of what's going on in here. So we have a 44 pound payload capacity with the EQ6R. We have a DV saddle. Uh, we're gonna talk about that later. Belt drive. A lot of this we're gonna go into detail in this presentation. I'm gonna pop back up here real quick because you all know what an eq looks like uh, we have a built-in polar scope that is illuminated 42,000 plus object database with the hand controller we have a carry handle st4 auto guide port built-in USB B port for easy PC connection snap port for controlling your DSLR mirrorless cameras and a retractable counterweight bar uh, if you buy this mount the EQ6R or an HEQ5 from our lineup, as well as the AZ EQ6, their counterweight bars retract into the mount. I have a lot of people who call up saying, I didn't get a counterweight bar, can you send me one? Just remember, when you get these mounts, the counterweight bar is retracted up into the right ascension axis, and you have to loosen that to drop that down. So we didn't forget it, it's built in. Um, we've sold hundreds and hundreds of these mounts. We've never forgot a counterweight bar. So it's it's built into the mount. It's just hidden inside. So Now, the nitty-gritty of the EQ6R. Let's check out the inside of it. I'm only going to give you guys so much. I can't give you every single specification. Um, but let's start with the motor drives on the EQ6R. Now, we use on pretty much every single Skywatcher mount, um, some of them... Um, we use servo motors, but for a lot of our main mounts, a lot of the larger mounts, we use stepper motors. Um, now there's arguments back and forth about what's better, servo motors, stepper motors, you know, they both get the job done, quite honestly. It's just, there are different ways of going about it. So here, but here's the advantages that we find for using a stepper. Um, there is no internal gearbox on a stepper motor. When you're working with servo motors, you have the motor and then inside you have a gearbox with all these little tiny gears. They kind of look like a watch. And within every, any time you have a gear that's meshing together, that leaves you room for backlash and periodic error and all kinds of stuff. So when you have a servo motor, that leaves little incremental amounts of backlash or other gearing issues to occur. And 
The nice thing about a stepper motor is it has no gearbox. There is no backlash. It just doesn't exist. You have the motor and then the motor comes out. Here's a picture of the inside there. We take the caps off. This is where the belt drives are on the side. Please don't take your mount apart, by the way. Um, there's the motor. You can see the brass pulley that's on the motor. That is uh, right there. That motor, that pulley is mounted to the axle of the motor. And then that goes down into the motor. There's no gearbox at that point. No backlash in the motor, period. So reduces backlash on there. Now, stepper motors have higher torque, so they can you know, whip that mount around uh, pretty quickly. Uh, if you've ever had one of these motors in hand and you power it up, you will feel it you know, move a bit in your hand because it does have that torque to it that allows it to throw the payload around pretty well. We don't have any encoder wheels in our motors either. Now, generally when you're using a stepper motor, or I'm sorry, a servo motor, it has like a little plastic encoder wheel that's got little marks on it and it reads out the position of the the motor positioning as the mount slews across the sky it's keeping up with the tick marks on the encoder wheel as it spins on a servo um, and that's okay I've actually had friends of mine who have other brands with a servo motor and the encoder wheel and I've we've actually had it happen in the field where the over time that plastic encoder you know heat and temperature and all that changing it cracked it broke apart I've seen it happen actually several times on various mounts the nice thing about using stepper motors is we don't have any there's no encoder wheel in there because what's happening is because we're using a stepper motor as the motor moves the board and electronics in there are counting the steps as the motor moves so not only is the mount not only, not only is the motor moving the mount, it's also keeping track of the position at the same time. So kind of a cool thing going on with a uh, stepper motor. Uh, we'll get into maintenance. I'll talk about that here in a little bit. There's very little you'd want to do with it, but we'll talk about it here in a sec. Uh, belts, we use a rubber Kevlar belt, very similar to the timing belt in the car. Uh, you shouldn't have to change these very often. I think I've only had one or two people Feel the need to change them we stock them as with any other parts that you might need a lot of the popular parts for the eq6 are motor boards clutch levers you know screws you generally we have spare parts laying around belts we have belts in stock too you can buy that all through our support department if you need replacement parts um, but the belts in there as well because we don't use any spur gears if you open up some other mounts you'll have the um, the motor will have a spur gear, then there'll be a middle spur gear, and then the worm will have a spur gear, and you have all these gears stacked into each other. That's another place where you can get backlash inside of a gear. So we've eliminated the backlash inside of the motor because we use a stepper motor, there's, there's no gearbox. We've eliminated the backlash in the main gearing because there's a belt there, and the belts are at tension. You don't want to I have people who like to tinker with their mounts. Um, if you open up the mount, you void the warranty. I'll just say that right now. But a lot of people feel that if you're inside this mount and you're working on it, that you need to adjust the belts where they're under extreme tension. If they're too much tension, it will actually cause tracking errors because it's pulling too tight. These don't need to be under crazy amounts of tension just until they're tight. Um, that there's still a little bit of give in there. So it doesn't need to be ridiculous high tension stuff at this point. As long as those are engaged and it moves, you're good to go. There's no backlash in this because the it's all woven in there. So, so we use the belts there. Uh, gearing, inside the EQ6R, the right ascension and the deck main ring gears are machined brass. This is what that looks like right there. That is the machined brass uh center ring gear this is on the right ascension and the declination and then we have a stainless steel worm it's all machined nice and tight um that meshes up with that as well so uh we don't use spring-loaded uh worms on the eq6r uh, there's just not a lot of room with the housing and stuff to do that um some people think we should other people it doesn't matter. Um, this design's worked really well for us on previous EQ6s. Um, 
But if you are using an EQ6R, it's best to actually offset the weight in the right ascension a little bit uh, just to eat up any backlash because this is the only place in the mount where backlash actually would exist is between the meshing of the ring gear and the worm gear. And I have a lot of people who go in and they like to mess around with the mesh. They feel like there's some backlash that they should remove. These mounts should always have a fraction of a millimeter of backlash in them to accommodate for temperature changes. Um, if you feel the need to mess with the gear mesh on these, the factory generally has a pretty good job on them. It is a mass-produced mount, so sample variation happens. But um, with things like this, if you feel the need to go in and mess with the gear mesh, don't just wrench them down to where there's no movement. A lot of people will go in there. I've had mounts come back for service where I get them back. They're complaining of tracking errors just to find that when we open them up, you can't even move the pulley wheel because the, the gear mesh is so tight. And yes, you successfully eliminated backlash, but now you're stalling the mount. Um, it's a very fine balance with gear mesh where it's either too loose and flops all around or too tight and you're stalling and getting all kinds of issues. So if you ever feel the need to go in and mess with it or your mount's out of warranty or whatever you want to do with it, it's your mount, do whatever you want with it. There always needs to be a little tiny bit of play between the gear mesh. You should feel a tiny bit of chatter, just a little bit. It's really hard to explain this because a lot of it's done on feel, but just a fraction of a millimeter of movement between the gears, um, even that's too much, but just a little bit of play.